welcome to the Prop Magazine uh, podcast. I'm Jerry Ewing and I'm joined by Joe Kendall. Hello. And Natasha Scharf. And we haven't done a podcast, uh, one that we've recorded um, in the office where we often do them for so long <laughs> that we've been sat here for about half an hour trying to work it out what it is we actually do. This is podcast number eight though, I do know that. Right, because, right, because the last podcast, which you seemed to go down incredibly well with everybody, was uh, the one that Joe and I did with Carl Palmer. Oh yeah, he can talk. And he can talk. <laughs> He's got uh, stories, we like that, didn't we? Which, which we, uh, we recorded... Um, we did that one in a in a proper studio, so this one probably sounds slightly echoey. But we're on our new building we as are. well, the, the appropriately other. titled Emerson Building. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So Prog has moved, and we're now down um, on London Bank or on South Bank, right near London Bridge or Bankside. Near the Globe as well. Yes. Which is so very, very handy for the upcoming Prog Awards, which we're going to be talking about uh, um, in a bit. Um, but as Natasha said, yes. The Emerson Building in Emerson Street. We've all got keyboards, haven't we? So, <laughs> so no, no. Uh, but of course, we're gonna, you know, we're going to have like some Rick and Tony going. Well, why not Bank Street? Well, it's Bankside. Oh, it's yeah. just it's just poor old Rick. He's going to be. Well, what can we do for Wakeman? But we're near the. Oh no, I don't know. We're awake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, tenuous at best, Natasha. Um, right. Yeah. As you can imagine, with the Prog Awards, um, three weeks away. Mm. Is it three weeks? I think it might be three weeks. Thanks for that. Three, yeah. <laughs> um, we're a bit busy, so we're trying to squeeze this podcast in. Um, so there's a brand new issue of Prog that's just come in that uh, the girls have just picked up, thumbed through, um, with Camel on the front cover. Yeah, looking very good. We like that artwork. It's classic, really, isn't it? Is. It? Yes. it is. And um, yeah, we got, I'll tell you a story, we, got to, we had to go through about eight different people at Universal who think they own the artwork because no one can get hold of John Field, um, who did the original, um, but Universal owned the album, and therefore they think legally they owned. So we had to go to them and they said, uh, and said, listen, <coughs> we'd like to take the artwork and move it around a bit. And often when you do this, if you were to go to Robert Fripp, for example, and say, we'd like to take the first King Crimson album and, and move it around, because obviously these are 12 by 12, uh, pieces of artwork as you see them that doesn't actually translate to a magazine cover so sometimes you know Robert would just go no you can't do that because he owns the rights and you're not allowed to, to, to change anything at all um, which I kind of understand um, so we went to somebody we knew at Universal and said um, we'd like to do this because otherwise it's not going to work and they went well, that's alright as far as we're concerned but you better ask and so we went to the next person who said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. However, you better ask. <laughs> so we basically went along this long train of people where it was always like, yeah, yeah, I've got no problem with that. However, you better ask. And ultimately, it all came back and said, no, look, you're promoting our album. Um, we know that Prog Magazine aren't going to do anything you know, horrible. So <laughs> go ahead. So those that are listening, if you've seen the cover of, uh, of, of the issue, um, obviously it is the artwork, but it's been moved around to make it make it fair it's the artwork for Move Madness or the artwork for Move Madness I've got to be honest I think Russell Fairbrother our editor who did this actually has done a a really good job if you the the little river running at the front and the fish jumping out actually is from the back cover that we've moved in and do you see what we did with the progo? Oh yes, we've got the moon. We've got the moon magnets. It's amazing. Yeah. So, thank you. Well, and and actually, I have to say, it's probably got the best response um, of a uh, prog magazine cover on social media 
um, that we've we've had this year. Oh, there's a lot of love out there for Camel, isn't there? Really? There is. There is. I mean, obviously, the timing, the timing of the issue is right mm. uh, because the band are about to tour the, the nation's concert mm. halls playing Moon Madness, mm. and I didn't know until uh, we got the interview in Dom Lawson's interview with uh, Andy Latimer uh, that Moon Madness ultimately became their biggest selling album. Oh wow! Because the last Camel cover we did three years ago. Was which I course. also loved which and, I, and I put googly eyes on and it made it even better <laughs> was, was the snow goose because yeah. they were touring yeah. and I was lucky enough to see them at Barbican and it was lovely because Andy walked on stage and got a standing ovation before he even played a note oh, and it was very moving I have to say very very moving so what's, great the, show. what's the state of play with Camel right now so they're doing some gigs but well um, um, the other great thing which of course we've plastered all over the front cover because we've spoken to all of the current lineup as well as Andy um, is that they're writing new material oh, and fantastic. and certainly um, the other three are really pushing Andy and saying come on we've got to do a new album yeah. so um, and they're very positive about you know I, I think it's Peter Jones's involvement, Peter obviously with Tiger Moth oh, Tales, yeah, um, has really sort of helped re-inspire the other three. Um, because obviously, you know, it's not been the easiest ride for Camel over the last 20 years. Andy, of course, almost died. Um, you know, then of course there was uh, there was the keyboard player um, who, who became ill and passed away um, in between the last tour and this one. But they've got Peter Jones in and they've got Denis Clement on drums still and Colin Bass on bass. <laughs> if only we were all named after things we were going to do in the future. So. Um, and no, and that's the other thing as well, that we, because obviously there was much debate between the powers that be here at, uh, at, at Future Publishing um, when we said, right, we're doing Camel Moon Madness, and everyone was looking at the artwork and going, what is it? What, what, right. what is it? Um, and I mean, there's, that, there's a brilliant thing in, in the interview uh, where we've actually put the American album cover, which because the Americans took one look at this and didn't get it, so they put a camel on the moon. <laughs> That's a bit too <laughs> So now, That's Moon Madness... <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I love it. I love it. Space suit. Yeah, space suit is thinking. brilliant. Yeah, Proper right. water outfit, I yeah. think. <laughs> so, um, Moon Madness is always... It's one of my favourite camel albums, if not my favourite, I think, but it's, it's my favourite artwork, always. It's got echoes of caravans... Um, oh god what's it in the land of Grand Pink yeah, it's, it's and, got and the palette's like that as yeah well. the palette mm-hmm. is a bit like that um, now to me it's it's a boy and a girl a hippie couple with their arms around each other looking at the moon that's what it is to me and um, so obviously we got Dom to ask Andy Latimer what he thought mm-hmm. and um, and he actually says uh, he goes everybody has their own ideas and conclusions about it I like to think of it as two lovers gazing at the moon and madly in love, which is exactly what I think. So mm. I'm glad that I think what Andy Latimer thinks. I wonder what some of the craziest opinions or oh, craziest I mean, ideas well, are. Oh, I mean, we have we are people who are looking at it, you know, who work with us, yeah. going, well, what's, is that a rock? Like, no, it's two <laughs> a rock pe- with, a rock it's, with it's two people, or is it a hum- hunchback? <laughs> I don't know, it's two people, he's got his arm around it, clearly, but... It, you know, and I kind of like that with art that it's it, it's open to such sort of drastic mm. sort of perception but different perceptions well it would be the kind of thing you'd be gazing at while listening to the record 
very much. Indeciphering that. It's the same same with lyrics, you know, people have different ideas about what certain songs mean. Well, I I mean, and we get plenty of interviews where somewhere Mm. the artist in question is happy to tell you what they mean and others where he goes, well, you know, Mm. it's Mm. kind of alluding to that, but I'll let everyone make their own mind up. That like that time when we got to the bottom of the Siberian Katru. Aha, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> yes, or tried to at least. Or tried to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the debate uh, still raged on. So even, it, even when we had the answer, the debate raged on. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, brand new issue. Uh, also in the issue uh, is uh, this brilliant interview with Jeff Wayne, um, who also talks about other stuff apart from all the world. He talks mm. about working with fish on Spartacus. Um, and did you know that? Uh, Overall, he's worked on over 3,000 pieces of TV advert music, wow. TV, t- television music per se, film music. That's mm. incredible. I know. So he did The Big Match. Yeah, he, he did, did. He did Fry's Turkish Delight. Fry's Turkish Full oh, of Eastern nice. Promise. Yeah. <laughs> so now. <laughs> the, the music for them, yeah. you should say. Not yeah. He wasn't in it. He wasn't slogans. a woman. <laughs> so, but yes, so, uh, and um, there's a really good piece on Connie Plank. Uh, the man who the man who stole my haircut. He yeah, he stole Joe's haircut <laughs> and uh, and helped create create uh, Kraut Rock. Uh, Mick Abraham's Blodwin Pig. Yeah, discusses, love it, Blodwin Pig. Discusses the impact that they had. Um, Heather Finley, we're going to be talking about mm. a bit later. Uh, Michael Romeo from Symphony X has a new solo album out. Deadless Circus from Australia uh, and Southern Empire from Australia. A couple of Aussie bands both have uh, new albums out. It's a really interesting interview with Steve Howe who's going to be picking up the Prog God Award um, where he not only Chris Roberts has done this and not only does Howe um, talk about his entire career but he really opens up I think it's the most revealing interview you really get a, a sense of who Steve Howe is I think you know Chris has done a really good job and I don't think it's always easy with some musicians mm-hmm. to sort of get in there and, and, and Chris seemed to have done that mm, I was good. really really interested he's very very proud Mr Howe um, of the fact that only he and David Bowie the only other musicians ever to record with Queen and both of them were asked by Queen to do it it wasn't like you know oh you're going to have to work I didn't know he'd recorded with Queen yeah he plays the flamenco guitar solo on Innuendo (gasps) wow which of course was Queen at their most proggy since probably A Night at the Opera so how did that happen um was he, he, they must have been. They must. What was he? He caught their ear. They must have been. I think uh, he. I have to read it and find yeah, out. Yeah, you'll have to read it. Yeah, <laughs> find out. Uh, Robert Berry is a really interesting piece of Robert Berry because yeah. he's resurrected the three band, um, talking about Keith Emerson, and because he obviously did work with Keith on music that's now appeared on that. And that was our lead review last issue as yes. well. That was very and, strong. Um, and uh, Mystery, the Canadians, and who else? Uh, oh, we've got Distorted Harmony, the Israeli prog metalers. Spiritualized. Spiritualized. Space who rock. Spa- oh, yeah. Modern day space rockers, I love mm. that band. Mm. Um, and Talons, the Herefordshire sort of proggy post rockers, celebrating 10 years this year. Oh, wow. Um, Judy Dybel. Oh, yeah, Q&A with Judy, Judy. and yeah. Col- uh, Cosmograph's Robin tells us all about his prog world and my record collection is oh, the editor of Mad Magazine yeah which was great to do that's Bill Morrison and who also worked with Matt Groening Matt Groening yeah so I mean he, t- he went into a bit more detail if you read the interview he talks a little bit about when they shared an office and Matt Groening actually had a um, whole room dedicated to his collection and a whole wall was Zappa basically oh, really uh, yeah uh, so he's another one for us to talk to but Bill was a, a delight absolutely charming and knew so much about um, 
the Detroit scene, which is where he grew up, but his first, his breakthrough band was Yes, and, you know, we can't argue with that. And he was, um, the picture is also delightful, it's brilliant, it's got Bender from Futurama, because he worked on Simpsons and he worked on those, those kind of things as well. So, yeah, but yeah, he's done a, a Yellow Submarine uh, graphic novel. Yes. Um, which is um, on the shelves now, I think. Um, he was just pushing all my buttons, basically. <laughs> all the, anything he said, I just went, yeah, I love it, it's brilliant. And then we had we, we spoke for about two and a half hours, so that was an expensive phone call to America. <laughs> <laughs> but I also spoke to this issue for Natasha, because Natasha does the news section, talking about Graham Pink. I talked to Graham Pink Records in Chester. Ah, and yes. And they have a Graham Pink shop, and it's That's brilliant. brilliant. I like that, there. because obviously, I mean... Um, yeah, I love a record shop. Always have yeah. done. And and I read that piece and I loved it. We want to go, it, don't I we? do. I do. <laughs> because I think, mean, you, know, <laughs> you know, record shops are becoming fewer and farther between. Mm. And yet, I get more, said more vinyl these days than anything else, which is just as well. well I, I upgraded my turntable about a year ago, so it's like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, you it just, go, doesn't yeah, it? yeah. You, you know, it's still things like that. And I, I suspect that a lot of our readers feel the same about record shops. Yeah. I mean, well, I also like suspect that we often, we also, for, for, for purely because of the ease of it, buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, but still the idea of a record yeah. shop. I can't pass the record shop without going in. No, it's nice to go in because then you just, things hit you that you weren't looking for all the time. But Chris Roberts mentioned to me, I mentioned it to him because we were, we had a bit of a kind of prog off while he won because he's got <laughs> so much stuff in the issue. And I was going, oh, well, I've got um, something's <laughs> ready and, uh, oh, I've forgotten Gweno. I've got Gweno in there. Uh, and then I went, oh, Graham Pink Records. And he said he found himself with some time to kill in Chester, came across Graham Pink and was absolutely blown away. So it is worth, we love it. We do love our record shops. So we do. So does any, anyone listening, <laughs> anyone else, anyone listening that runs a record shop, or for a slightly proggy persuasion, or you want to be in Prog Magazine, Get drop us an email, prog at futurenet.com, yeah, yeah, and you could be in, um, in Have a Cigar, yeah. in, uh, in the front. That'd be great, great to hear from more record shops. Now, I mean, the thing is, the three of us don't actually live too far apart. I thought you were saying we live together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in my like big about, prog, yeah, of course like about the house. <laughs> we do, yeah, we all live, the prog team all live. <laughs> So, um, no. and uh, I mean, you know where I live, Muswell Hill, is uh, proliferation. No, I don't live there. <laughs> proliferation of Muswell Hill, Wood Green, and um, and down Holloway, mm. right? There's a proliferation of charity shops, mm. and every now and then I do my charity shop hunt. And I will probably spend either a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning going around as many as I can. Yeah, I don't do it every week because it's always spam and crouching. Because it's always the same yeah. stuff, right? But I love going through and going, mm. oh, oh, yes, mm. yes, you know. That's how I discovered the Duckwood Lewis method. Absolutely, yeah. You can pick up such amazing so. stuff. I mean, we're, we're all intrigued. We're, we all know a bit more than we used to when we were younger when we picked things up for cheap. But um, now when we see stuff, we've got a little bit more of an educated eye, ear, brain. But there's still things you go, oh, what's that? You take a chance on oh, it. Yeah. A couple of quid. It's just a couple of quid, yeah. you know, if that. I still tend to time. keep them. <laughs> I can't get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, I haven't liked away. them. Yeah, don't take them out. It's a fruit bowl, but keep it. Um, but we're waffling. So, proggiest thing that you've done, well, it can't really be this week because it's been so long since we all sat down around a microphone without Carl Palmer mm. to do a podcast. So the proggiest thing you've done lately, Natasha, is chat with Heather. Yeah, which yeah. is in the latest issue. So, do you want to tell us how Heather is? So, Heather's been, um, she's been in Rockfield Studio recording a new album, new solo album. Um, she's actually been working with Luke Morley from Thunder, from the rock band Thunder. Um, so, it was kind of like, 
Well, I think when we first found out, we were like, oh, well, what? No, I, I, was, <laughs> I, I wasn't too surprised uh-huh. because um, obviously I know Thunder mm. and Ben Matthews uh, from Thunder, the rhythm guitar player, he knows um, some of the people in Mostly Autumn. So I saw Mostly Autumn play at the Astoria when Heather was still singing with them and I think, um, oh, um, Angela, uh-huh. they were, so it was not really early, but it goes back away now. Um, and Ben was there, and I was kind of like, "All right, mate, what are you doing here?" And he was like, "Oh, I can't remember who he knew, but anyway." So obviously, through him, yeah, they're they're all gonna sort of get to meet. I think this is a great move um, by Heather to get Luke involved because Luke Luke has a fantastic ear. Yeah, so they're songwriting together, aren't they? Yeah, 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 and and he's also producing the album as well for her. But I mean, you know, on paper, the two they don't seem to really work together. But I'm really excited to hear what they actually made. And she she was telling me about how she was sat at the piano in Rockfield where Freddie Mercury yeah. composed Bohemian Rhapsody, and you know, just yeah. the oh, the, I the think of that place there's, there's a thing, yeah. Because I mean, my dad now lives just around the corner um, from from mm-hmm. Rockfield, um, you know, and just just walking past. It's yeah, but it, it it's got such a aura yeah. about it, and you know, you just talk to anybody that's recorded there, and all they want to talk about is Rush doing a fair yeah. the Kings yeah. and Queen working there, and Zeppelin, and you know. So many bands are you know they record remotely, they're recording their home studios. You know, it's, it's a necessity these days, cost and logistics. So it, it's it's really quite unique to speak with somebody who's actually recorded an album in an actual studio and a studio such a famous uh, studio yeah. as well there's quite a lot of clips up on social media of them doing bits and pieces because yeah. I reviewed Heather's um, DVD in the last yeah, issue yeah. yeah so I, I was looking through some of this stuff and I mean they look absolutely they're happy as Larry they're just having such a great time and that was one of the things that actually came across in the interview she's just saying you know, the chemistry between them it just just works yeah I, I mean, like you, I'm excited because, I mean, obviously Heather's got outlets for the more sort of um, pastoral mm. stroke hippie Folky. kind of stuff she does. Mm-hmm. Stuff, yeah. um, you know, the the new live stuff that she recorded at, um, at uh, Aces and Aces in, in Tuffnell Park. Park. And obviously, and you... I think she mentions in the piece this she's going to be working on some new Odin Dragonfly. Yeah, yeah. She she and Angela have been um, have been working again together and uh, putting a few bits and pieces together, demoing stuff. They've apparently having rehearsals like every week. Every I think it's Tuesdays is their yeah. day. So every week they get together. Um, so hopefully by next year we should have later next year Odin Dragonfly as well as the yeah. Because before that, solo. early I think mm. is going to be. Yeah. Now I mean. Obviously, with the, th- the thunder sound, lent quite heavily on sort of free and bad company kind of mm. stuff. Now, one of my favourite songs of Heather's, which um, she has in the live set, I think from the Tufnell Parks show, is Court in the Fold from Passengers album. And it's a bit of a stomping rocker. I know she's got that now. Because she's, since the first solo album, she's kind of lent a lot more on the sort of gent- more gentle acoustic side uh, of her music, which I love because very few people do that as well as Heather Findlay does it. The, the thought of maybe, you know, them rocking out a little bit on a few tracks as well, just I'm like, oh God, I really hope so. Yeah, because I, I think for me, one of the highlights was when they go into a bit more sort of Zep style. Yeah. And it gets a bit of me because he's a great guitarist as well. Luke is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. 
So and heavy metal ABBA wasn't it? Yeah, heavy me- metal. metal metal ABBA. Oh, but she does. But she does go on to say it didn't turn <laughs> not, out. Not, like. not quite. Yeah, uh, you know, a heavy metal ABBA. I'm like all for that. But that was Nightwish, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Nightwish with the Imaginarium. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Story is it story time? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That is heavy metal ABBA to a T. Did you not? The first time we were we, but weren't you down at the studios when we got the plane back? Yes, I was actually. Right, I was. I was. I was with Malcolm, and we were looking at each other, going ABBA. I, I, yeah, apparently um, Pitt Williams and, and his daughter were looking at me through the, the glass in the booth going, where is that girl just rocking out to all the songs with a massive grin on her face yeah. like this? So, uh, but yes, I mean, you know, that it, well, obviously, as she says in the feature, it's moved on yeah. from, um, from well, a heavy metal. I was like, what? What? <laughs> so. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. I mean, Heather's lovely. She's. Um, she is. She's, she's so sweet. Yeah. So I mean, it, it looks talented? like very, very. I mean, was she, I mean, she, you know, she was always mm. sort of a big force of, of what, what mostly Autumn did while she she was in the band. And not not just in terms of singer songwriter, but in terms of her artwork as well. Oh, she, I mean, immensely creative. But um, it, it, it sort so to me, it sort of seems there was. I mean, it seems like ages ago now when she actually got in touch and said, "I'm leaving mostly Autumn." Yeah. And I was like, "What?" And then we talked about it, and then. Um, and then she did an EP, and then I think she did an album. She no, she, she, she like, she's not actually done a, a right. full album. So, so it was EPs. It was the EP, and I remember the photos oh, that we did. I mean, we've had some great photos yeah. from Heather. There was one with the sword. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> right. And then there, there was one with sort of like I think the butterflies. Yeah, the butterflies mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it sort of seems to me. I mean, obviously the Mantra Vega thing that she mm. got involved with kind of sort of took her away from probably. Yeah, sort of solo stuff. Just seems to me that with this live album that she's put out, and then the the studio album that with Luke producing, and then another Odin Dragonfly album, that sort of she's really sort of stepping back into it. I I mean, she had the kids, I guess, and that that sort of distracts for a certain amount of time. She's just been on a a really big creative role. Yeah, that's good to see. You know, you've got to got to grab the creativity when it happens and and just run with it. I see. Talk. She was as happy as ever. Sort of speaking to her. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. Actually. It was a really good day. It was very, very hot, and I remember her saying that it was really hot where she was. Um, uh, she was up in, in York. her home studio. Like, yeah. I know. Yeah, it, it, they get hot weather in York. Who knew? Amazing. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Actually, I can imagine you moaning about the heat in the sun. <laughs> it, was, it was very warm. <laughs> what, wonderful. You can you can read all about um, all about uh, Natasha's chat with Heather in the new issue. Hey, Joe Kendall. Yes. You're going to talk to us about property. Yeah. Because I mean, so, you go every year, don't well, you? Well, the now? thing is, we have a yin and a yang, don't we? Because you're at Bloodstock. I'm at Bloodstock, yeah. I know. I, you see, think, I would love to go to property yeah. because right. I like the idea of it and I love Fairport Convention. Yes, I know. And but it's such a shame that they clash. I love going to Bloodstock. Yeah. They, they haven't, there's been two times when it didn't clash, but something else got in the way, I think. But uh, yeah, so you're um, doing Bloodstock, which is great, and we're going to talk about that in a sec. And I'm at property, and property starts on a Thursday night um, it, it, you go down at 4 o'clock or 4, 4 o'clock because uh, you stay with Judy Dival don't you I do yeah I do yeah she, she's a very reasonable landlady very very <laughs> little rent I only have to scrub the stone step in the morning do the washing all that kind of stuff 
Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we popped down. Oh, and also David Longden from Big Big Train, he was with us. Oh, right. He's, he, he's a pal as well. Um, and if you missed um, the last Big Big Train album that had a duet with Judy and David, the Ivy Gate on it, it's absolutely superb. Lovely, lovely blend of voices. But anyway, I digress, as I do. Um, so getting up there on the Thursday, um, Fairport kick it off with 20 minutes of acoustic. Right. And then they sort of disappear for the next three days. They don't, they're on site. Because when you go sort of backstage, which is absolutely tiny, they've all got their caravans there. So they stay on site, they mooch about, they see all the bands, they hang about, they just enjoy themselves. It's their festival yeah. and they are actually present. Because Dave Pegg is very, very prominent, very instrumental. Him and Gareth are the people that put it together. Dave Pegg is the bass player from Fairport. Um, and a legend. He's got a new book, actually. Guess what it's called? What? Off the Peg. Oh! <laughs> well, Peg, Peg, Peggy was a bass player for Jethro Tulford. Absolutely. For, he's uh, friends play, well, he plays on my favourite Tuller, Broadsword of the Beast. Oh, yeah, that is your favourite. Um, but yeah, he's very much part of that um, kind of um, the Carl Palmer set, really, really. The, the Black Country, oh, right, Grammy yeah. type stuff. He knows Black Sabbath, knows... Um, well, you know, uh, Robert Plant and so on and so forth so occasionally you'll see some of those guys hanging about as well uh, as well as Slash Slash has been at the bar on occasion what? at Cropperty? yes Slash Slash tell us more oh, I didn't see him myself I didn't see him with my own eyes but he has he has been there well a few years ago they opened up with Alice Cooper because they're friends with Alice Cooper of course and he had the full snakes guillotine how did that go down? it went up very well People were, initially, people were a bit kind of, gosh, what's this? Yes, no, I, I, I say, <laughs> cleaning their glasses and standing up from their folding chairs. And before, by the end of it, it was just like tops off and everything. But so, they're going to know, they're going to yeah, know a lot of Alice songs, aren't they? Well, you, you, you'd imagine so. It's just that it might not be something that they play every day when right. they're like... Well, we're all for a bit of diversity of, here at Prom yeah, Magazine. But Off, just... Offered a bit too much diversity for some of our readers' tastes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if we're ready for Alice Cooper in the bag yet, but you never know. But, ah. they, but, but they, they, you know, they encountered each other very early stage, uh, sort of late 60s, when they're all sort of like hanging out uh, different festivals and stuff. So, yeah. So, anyway, this year... Um, a few hours on from uh, Fairport doing the acoustic set, uh, we had Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Oh, pet sounds. Doing pet sounds, yeah. Uh, Al was, Jardine with him. Um, Al was was there, and his son Matt has right. got the most amazing um, uh, Beach Boys voice that carries the rest of the yeah. band as well. Yeah. So it was just sublime, actually. It was really, really beautiful. And it's three days, four... Well, three days, because they don't have um, a festival... They don't have the, they don't run the festival on the Sunday, but they do have as a cricket match um, in Cropperdy. Right. So anybody who's still hanging about, and say Richard Thompson was there, he would go and play cricket with them. So, yeah, they have a, a, a match in the afternoon. Oh, that's good. And yeah. I assume quite a few people probably hang around for that, do they? Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. I bet the pubs do a roaring trade. The, pu- the pubs do do a roaring trade, and they've got a little fringe thing going on because there's famously the Braves Nose Arms. And I missed it on Friday, but Capricar's Constant played in the Braves Nose Arms. Really? And as you probably know, that's um, David Jackson. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, good band. Very yeah. good band. Yeah, so they, and it looks like that they might elevate to the actual festival next year, I think. Oh, that'd but, be good. Um, but yeah, so Brazenose tends to put on rhythm and blues and blues bands and just need general knees up mm. for everyone to like, you know, get get well oiled, shall we say? Uh, and of course, one of my favourite things, as soon as we're talking about record shops, the record deck, which is a floating record shop, oh, was wow. between bridges one five three and one five four. So pop down there. 
uh, picked up an Alan Hull album like you do. Pipe had, Dreams? Pipe Dreams, of course, Wee! yeah! <laughs> what, what horrible, horrible artwork. Um, <laughs> a man with his nose in a pipe. Because um, <laughs> you like a pipe, don't you? Oh, I love a pipe, yeah, yeah. I love a pipe. Yeah, I've always got, always got my nose in a pipe. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, I made a special pilgrimage there because I knew it was going to be that. I go to it when it's in Angel and it's also um, often moored in Tottenham, so it's close to us. But it does travel oh, So when you say floating record deck, it's actually a record shop yes, on a barge. it is, yeah, absolutely. You run must by, tell me when it's in London next time. Run by, down by you. Um, end of September, uh, Angel Canal Festival, everybody. Run by a guy called Luke. He happens to own a barge, he happens to like records, and he likes to do it travelling, so he's put them together and he's got this record shop. Brilliant. The, the record deck, you can find Well, there's something media. else Natasha we yeah. should be having in Have a Cigar. Oh, he really yeah. knows his prog as well. He's in his, probably in his like mid-40s, or maybe slightly, slightly younger. Oh, aren't we all? I'm 21. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he had, and also because of the clientele, he pulled out the folk, he pulled out the prog, he pulled out the stuff. Although I found quite a lot of um, Daniel Dax and Len- Lemonkins there as well but um, yeah exactly yeah you've got <laughs> nice. to come with me yeah the goth stuff was there so um, you know it's, it's great just to sort of like mooching out you can pop to Cropredy you can stay on site um, there's always something going on always something to do and lots of surprises one of the, another surprise we looked at their outfits in the programme they were called the Bar Steward Sons of Val Dunigan. very clumsy name horrible looking band with kind of like acrylic wigs and like um, multicoloured tank tops and things like that and they were brilliant absolutely brilliant got everyone going because they were like a party band really right. um, is it easily listening stuff kind of a little bit but mixed with sort of House of Pain oh right around. yeah so oh, everyone right. was the whole field was jumping around <laughs> jumper right yeah it's brilliant cool. yeah, I mean we were a bit old and creaky for jumping around but we're still <laughs> jumping around um, and uh, another thing that was really great actually was to see fish because fish was yeah. there so uh, so what is happening with fish because fish was going to not be doing so much well, yeah. all I shall say on that is wait until the next issue of Prog <laughs> Magazine because Rich Wilson has had a, a lovely long chat with uh, Mr. Dick and um, there's a big feature about uh, what is coming up in terms of live performance, um, releases, uh, etc. So oh. uh, we would be spoiling the next, not the current issue, with Camel on the cover, but the one after, we can't tell you what's on the cover of that yet yeah, because okay. we don't give that sort of thing away. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I um, uh, heard a bit of fish and then afterwards... And did he get to play his full set rather than the... I know he got cut short at Rambling Man. No, he, do, he gets a good, he gets a good uh, old uh, set. Because at, Ram, at Rambling Man, um, he uh, basically the cult has said, nobody playing while, when we come on, which kind of, they're a headliner. Yeah. It's kind of stunt they can pull. But because the prog stage was running late, they just turned around and said, fish, and I, well, oh, right, you've only got this amount to play. There was no late running, so no, it was absolutely fine. So yeah, we bumped into him in the catering tent afterwards when he was having a cup of tea. And there was me and Judy and David, and we had a, a bit of a chat. Got a very funny photo of him and Judy, because as we know, Judy's about two foot six. Yes. Which is like, you know, some well, sort of... I did like the photo you got of Judy and Robert Plant from last year. Yeah, you? that wasn't too bad. Didn't Robert tell you off? He told me off. He told me <laughs> off because he wanted to talk to Judy about her times as an astral folk goddess. Right. And I just popped in, popped my, popped my little head in and went, because I didn't want to miss the moment. I yeah. wanted to take a picture take a of them. But yeah, so I said, oh, could, mind if I take a photo? And he went, can you wait? And I was like, yes, I can. Cancers, poor lot tugging. Um, did Judy go? It's all right. She's with me. Yeah, that's it. I did. I got the reassurance of her 
saying, you know, Joe's, Joe's a friend, and I'm like, I don't want to take a picture of you and die. I'm taking a picture of you two. And then he did this fantastic yeah. Valhalla. It's brilliant. Pointing off into the distance. Yeah. No, and he, he posed her in front of him. He went, Judy, you stand there, posing the distance. She went, what? Her eyes were just going, where am I looking? He's like, doesn't matter, just That's- look. And that. then he pouted and did this. His, his it is a great photo. Which I think thing. is it on Facebook? It's on, uh, yes, it's somewhere. Yes, somewhere it's in on the eighties. And I took one it's look in at the, the dark web yeah. now. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked. I, I saw that, and I was just like, "That is a photo and a half." Oh. It, yeah. Well, um, the one with um, fish was quite funny when she tucked in, sort of like somewhere under his knee. And, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, she, and in and in her own circulation of the photo, she went, "I am standing up, honest." Um, but Fish mainly wanted to talk to us about gardening because he's very big he's on his gardening. He's big, and oh. the, he, in fact, he does talk about that in the next issue as well. Mm. So uh, he also told us a strange story about something that happened to you on stage, and I don't know if I can repeat it. Oh, I say. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, what you can't see, people listening in, is the looks that we're actually giving yeah. Joe now, which is a kind of like, okay, <laughs> go on, tell us. Should I say it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so. <laughs> Well, I kind of broke the ice with, so how was that for you? And he went, I was a bit fucking freaked out, actually. And we were like, well, what's happened? He went, well, I bent over and I felt something go. And we thought he meant his back. But he'd actually burst a hemorrhoid. <gasps> so someone said to him, you're going to have to change your trousers. Okay. So he had to go <laughs> change his trousers. Anyway, he got three quarters of a pint of blood, came back on, oh and... Oh, Honey, please, honey, please. I well, I, I have a story that could match that, and probably beat it, yeah. But, uh, not me personally. A um, friend of mine's good mates with Brian Johnson. And um, they, oh, if you've heard Back in Black, the, the notes that Brian reaches on that are phenomenal. <laughs> they, ACDC only played Shake a Leg live twice, and then it was just, he can't... The notes he can hit in the studio, he wasn't be able to say. Shoot to Thrill has been in the set ever since Back in Black came out. That's a long time, right? And it's up there. It's one of the it's real high. high ones. It, you'll notice it's very early in the set. It's like, get it out of the way while Brian can still, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and our mutual friend was like, you've got to start, you know, you're an old, you, well, it's not, I mean, I, old it's Brian Johnson he sings for ACDC but he's 68 69 mm. so I guess he's oldish but you never think of it really in those terms do you because mm. he's still the guy who was my hero on back in black anyway yep. um, so anyway but he was uh, he got on stage and he gets a shoot to thrill and he's belted it out and it all popped out downstairs and he <gasps> And, he, and when he came off stage, straight off to ho- hospital to have it all put back inside Oh my him. goodness. That's almost a Rick Wakeman-esque tale. Well, it's, it? it's the sort of story that Wakeman would, would actually revel in telling. Um, so, wow. but, uh, I, I had lunch with Rick, actually. Name dropped, Clang. Because, well, no, you know I'm going to be writing his biography. Mm. So we had lunch and it was the only curry. If you read on Twitter recently, he was talking about he had a curry and it was his first one all year. That's because he, he, he'd gone out oh, for... Yes, he's, he is. Well, and, he's, 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 and he's lost a lot of weight. He looks really healthy and very mm. fit. Yeah. Fit isn't something... I know. Rick's been a friend for a long time. <laughs> fit isn't something I would normally... <laughs> and he does. He looks really, really good. Um, but, um, yeah, so we met up to talk about uh, basically how we're going to structure the book. Because uh, basically, I'm going to write it but all the stories will come from Rick. So I've got to interview him about, you know, and it was like, are we going to do it 
about your private life or we could do that the music or the private mix it too mix the two together um, and of course I mean even just the, the three hours I think we ended up spending over lunch the stories he got in were phenomenal nothing about prolapses though so um, okay, right. which is probably just as well yeah, but anyway thank you for that Joe that's okay I'm sorry <laughs> about the tone. that please don't yeah, listen yeah, to yeah. this at tea time can we put a warning on it yeah Yes, not suitable for work. Or if you're about to eat some grapes or something like that, you know, just, you know. So, yes, yeah, so as you said, we've got two sides of the coin, because you were at Cropperty and I was up at Bloodstock. Mm. Um, now, I do like my heavy metal, which is just as well, because I started on Metal Hammer, what, back in 1992? Oh, uh, that was a mere baby so, And in fact, don't, do you remember when, well, actually, you know, I'm no stranger to abuse on social media from people that don't like the magazine, as you do remember from when you used to be yes. my deputy editor. Yes, absolutely. Joe used to get upset and go, oh, how can you put up with it? And I'd be like, just don't pay any attention. It's been awful. And that don't, was pay, in the, don't pay any attention to it. That was it. in the early but, days but as well. That was, we got the great quote from somebody going, he can't be into prog, he has tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> Questioning my... You know, whether I should be editing prog magazine. Long hair and tattoos. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, terribly sorry, sir. Anyway, so yes, but yes, to reinforce that image, if that person's listening in, you were right. I was at Bloodstock, yeah. rocking in. Um, but there is prog at Bloodstock. Well, the reason, I wouldn't normally actually bring Bloodstock up for a prog magazine mm. podcast, but the reason I am um, is because this, I mean, it's slowly been creeping that way. Um, but this year, they, they had enough prog for us to at least do a, a, a page mm-hmm. review, live review from it. Um, and, and I've got to say, I mean, Bloodstock itself as a festival has been broadening its scope. I mean, it's always sort of been traditional metal. Then it got very heavy and a lot of the darker stuff. And now they seem to, not moving away from that, because that still forms a very strong core of what they do, but just expanding. Um, now, the reason that I go to Bloodstock is because I actually just like the festival itself. It's I, small, I, isn't it? It's, it's property is twenty thousand people. Right. Bloodstock's about fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Manageable. And it's it's mm-hmm. it's the perfect size. It's not too cramped, but it's not acres of space. Um, Quite you a know, nice site, isn't it? It's a lovely site, Catton Hall, mm-hmm. um, and and it's a lovely, brilliantly run festival. Several of the bigger festivals and their security setup could could learn a thing, learn or, two. A thing mm-hmm. or two from Bloodstock. It's so well run. I like the backstage area. Um, in it's just you've literally got two bars, and that's it. And there's no like this hierarchical tier of well, you can't get into that bar if you haven't got that pass. It's mm. just like there you go, that's it. Mm. There's your backstage. You can go to that bar. You can go to that bar, and that's it. And then there's the little media area, and then out the front. I mean, I spend a lot of the time actually with a load of mates of mine who actually travel up and um, and build build the stages for them um, and they always sort of uh, s- set up home for the festival by the Jaeger tent <laughs> which is and I, I have to say some of the Jaeger cocktails this year were very nice but um, we were saying but they, they also this year they had rhubarb and strawberry ciders on oh, offer because nice. it's something else the bigger festivals could learn from as well they've got more variety of drinks on sale for the public that's because they tend to be the bigger ones tend to be sponsored by somebody like Chief right or and it's not like five or six pounds for a warm pint of watered down beer mm. but an array of ales and you know fruit ciders mm. the rhubarb that, that would I don't like rhubarb itself but this rhubarb cider was gorgeous mm, nice. um, but anyway uh, back to the prog back to the prog sorry yeah <laughs> so this year they had Vola 
uh, Voyager, um, Orphaned Land, uh, Nightwish. Um, Did Nightwish headline? Nightwish headlined yeah. on the Sunday, by which time I was actually home. But um, I wanted to see him, but it's like, do I really want to travel home on the Monday? Or, you know, isn't it nice to be lying on your sofa on Sunday afternoon when you, for that? I don't mm. know, I guess. I'm just getting too old for festivals, I don't know. Um, and, and a couple of others as well. And it, it was, I mean, enough for us to sort of say, yes, we will we'll run a review. Um, are you going to put Gojira in? Because they've got uh, Gojira. Well, yeah, we are. I mean, obviously, there's going to be people uh, listening to this and going, "Well, no, no, that's prog." Or what we should say, it's not what you think prog is. But yeah. there are people that read the magazine that do like some of this or bits of it, um, you know. And and we and in the modern vernacular, a lot of it does fall under the probably thing. And and it was kind of interesting to watch the bands and how they went down. Vola early on the source or about lunch time early afternoon on Saturday packed out the Sophie Lancaster that's good tent. Um, Voyager had to battle with uh, Ailstorm on the main who are that's very hard much, because that's called that's Bloodstock. a real core Bloodstock yeah. band so Voyager put in one of the best live shows I've seen they are before. good aren't they they've been around for a long time and, and uh, Orphane Land because what they do if you're headlining the Sophie stage then the headliner will play after um, the headliner on the main stage so you know, uh, after Judas Priest on the Friday, who were brilliant by the way, and played a lot of stuff from their early albums, Ooh, I loved which was, was really good. I've seen this coming out in uh, We then went through because I was helping Alexander Milas DJ in that tent later. So, Toto Geddon. Uh, Toto, Toto, <laughs> where there was a lot of Toto <laughs> being. <laughs> um, so we uh, and Doro Pesh was headlining, who I have to say I held out no hopes for whatsoever. Even though back in the day, I was I kind of liked Bit of Warlock, maybe the first. Doro solo album and then kind of just drifted away from it and I'd say she was brilliant I bet she was brilliant she was brilliant yeah, and I stood there flummoxed going I really wasn't expecting <laughs> to enjoy this it's a bit like Diamond Head last year when we went in to watch Diamond Head I used to love Diamond Head but after Canterbury maybe Death and Progress I'm kind of like that nah. now of course Sean Harris isn't singing for them and it's kind of like only Brian Tatler left I don't not like them but I wouldn't bother going out of my way to see them live. And we wandered into the Sophie tent because they were playing. And again, just stood there going, my God, this is amazing. Mm. You know, so my preconceptions were all totally wrong. And that's why it's good to get out and about yeah. and see these mm. things, you know. So, so yeah, it's, um, I, you know, big thumbs up to Bloodstock, really, just for for having, you know, the, the, the wherewithal to go, actually, let's bring some of this this sort of prog uh, it's all on the prog metal side I mean you're not going to see Magenta or IQ playing uh, you know at, at Bloodstock but all credit to them for saying let's have some of these bands let's yeah, have them represented I, I like it and it's still really a summer of prog because Art Tangent has just occurred which yeah. we love uh, and um, our colleague Luke from Metal Hammer went and absolutely blew his mind. Well, really, all, all really Luke blabber on, all Luke blabber on about on the on the Sunday and the Monday on Twitter was prog. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's, he's prog. I was like, you've changed. <laughs> <laughs> he's prog minded, God bless so. him. But I've forgotten. I'd also been to the New Day Festival. I think we might have spoken about this with the Carl Palmer thing. Right for viewing the current issue. Yeah, so. and of course that is, um, you know, Russell again, went. Cool. He loved it. I was hanging out with Russ actually and, and his little crew, and um, yeah, what a lovely festival that is. Um, you know, with Caravan, um, Carl Palmer got there just in time to see him take his top off and throw his beaters in the end. Ooh. That's not a euphemism. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Gong. Gong did a really great set, uh, and Hawkwind finished off with a laser tastic. Again, these are these really interesting niche festivals that are 
um, in nice places, really nice places, just set apart from the wider world. So say five miles away from a big town so they can make as much racket as they like. This is a beautiful, in a beautiful sort of stately home called um, Mount Ephraim Gardens. Mount, yeah, well, I used to, I used to be a thing called the Canterbury, wasn't Canterbury Fair, it was Canterbury Festival or Canterbury mm. Rock Festival. Um, and this would have been sort of early 2000s, I guess. Um, now, Malcolm Dunn discovered it. He went one year and he said, it's great, you'll love it, you should come down. So he went the next two years and then it kind of, the promoter went bust. He was only a young lad. Oh, what a shame. He, he just ran out. And it's the kind of thing, I guess, I mean, that was, it was probably eight or nine years before Prog Magazine started. And you kind of think that... If we'd been around. If we'd been around... Mm-hmm. Uh, as a sort of a, as a filter for what was going on, maybe because I saw Kevin Ayres play there, I saw Robert Plant, I saw Fish, Jack Bruce with Vernon Reed from Living Colour on guitar, um, uh, mostly Autumn, Carnatica, wow, original lineup played, twenty um, first century schizoid band with. Jacko on guitar mm. and vocals. So basically, King Crimson without Robert. Had the, both Giles brothers were playing. Oh. Um, and Mel Collins and Ian McDonald. Um, this is great stuff. Yeah. Ahead of its time, I suppose. Hawkwind, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also The Damned and Ian McNabb and the Inspiral Carpet. Mm. And I'm, I'm assuming the layout, I mean, I spoke to Russell and sort of assumed the layout was kind of the same. It's in a natural little bowl, yeah. right, with a lake behind it and a house over it's to the... Stone balustrade. Yeah. yeah, and, and you yeah, know, it's about 5,000 people, yeah. kind of max, perfect, just... Got Roy Harper. Got Roy, a, Har- got Roy Harper played. Roy Harper oh, played wow. as well. Great. So, yeah, no, I loved it. So... Um, so very, very good. And of course, know. in about eight weeks, I'll be off to Summer's End. Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say, what else is there yeah. in, the, in, in the Prog Festival calendar? So pretty much the, you know, I mean, in, the, in terms of the big outdoor things, it's, this is it, the summer of music. And mm-hmm. it has been a very proggy summer, as Joe said. Mm-hmm. It's kind of done. But the thing that draws it kind of to a close for me is going to Summer's End. Yeah, and that is in... Where is that now? Chepstow. It's in Chepstow, It's yeah. the drill hall yeah. in Chepstow. Mm. So, are the, are and, tickets still available, Jerry? Um, it's quite small, isn't it? I don't know. They've been selling out a lot lately. Um, I did, I did just announced the bill for Winter's End, yeah. which is um, proving as almost as popular as Summer's End. When is that? That's in April next year. Mm. Uh, I've already got my hotel booked. Right. So, in fact, when I book out at Summer's End this year I'll probably be booking my hotel for Summer's End next year got to get in there early so but that's all to come in three weeks or so we have the Prog Awards yeah you looking forward to it yeah absolutely and you Joe? yeah me too I'm I'm just actually looking at the nominations I was just looking at events of the year and there's things that we've just spoken about Art Tangent um, Space Rocks is in there as well that was great it feels like these things feel like a long time ago but they've actually well they do I mean you've got, what you have to think is that these these nominations we have to call them in June yeah because that's when the voting goes live we're now tomorrow at midnight obviously this will have passed by the time you're hearing this um, the voting ends that's two months that people have been able to vote. We've had more votes than ever before because we canned the registration Brilliant. side of things. So the format is that we have a certain amount of categories that we've already decided. Eight categories for the readers, yeah. and then there's eight, seven or eight that the magazine mm. decides. 
And the prog god, as, as everyone and, knows, And Steve the prog Howe. god's announced, Steve yeah. Howe. Al Murray is presenting for the first time this year. Um, so, uh, and you know what? He's actually writing the cover story of one of our next issues. Ooh. I can't tell you who it is. Oh, exciting. But, uh, but it's something that I sorted out with Al and a member of that particular band. Fantastic. Um, so he's really throwing his oar in with the proggers. But uh, when, 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 when we announced it, a lovely uh, quote from, from Al where he said, I went to the awards last year. And, and he goes, and they were my people. I was amongst my people. You really had a good time. I remember somebody and I think him and Danny Baker and they're chatting away. Oh, we had a brilliant brought, time. Bought, bought the records. Yeah. And you still, really you still are sort of met with certain uh, element of surprise from people when there's somebody in the public eye. Are oh, they like prog? Do they? I didn't know that. And I mean, to us, we're aware of Al and being a big you know, he's a massive Queen fan but he loves his prog as well he's been in my record collection he talks a lot about Genesis I he think does. on, on Twitter on a daily well, basis I mean Joe, Joe you and I have been trying to snare him for the awards for well, quite a while yeah. yeah quite a while quite a while so they're, they're, working they're, on it so there may be people working listening and going Al Murray who's he or I didn't yeah. know he liked prog yes he's a, he's a big big fan but like you said he took over one of the shows was it on Radio 2 or something um, and that's well he demonstrated that, that's that that was two years ago when John Anderson got Prog God. Um, and uh, Steve, Steve right in the afternoon. And John was up in Manchester the day before and he was doing Radcliffe for McConey for Six Music, who were very big supporters of the magazine. Mm. Um, and then he was doing Steve Wright after that. So obviously we're listening. But Steve called in sick. They drafted Al Murray quickly in to replace him. And Al did the interview with John and was, oh, probables, I've got to, you know, I'd love to go. Couldn't make it that year, because it was the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but we got him down, it was like, come along, yeah. come be our guest, have a, you know, yeah. and, uh, and and now he's going to present, he's hosting it, yeah. which I'm really excited I'm about. Very excited. Not to say, I mean, you know, uh, Matthew Wright did a wonderful job for yeah, three years uh, before that, and then three years before, for the three years before Matthew, Gavin Esler. Yeah, we've had uh, some great, um, great, yeah. we really have Gavin's obviously very busy at the moment with the anti-Brexit campaign that he seems to have become the figurehead of Whoa. so um, you know best of luck with good. that Gavin yeah, yeah good <laughs> um, and yeah Matthew did a did a terrific job um, you know and they'll be back uh, yeah, yeah, in, in some way for future awards to yeah, present with guest presenters or mm. something I mean the thing is with Steve we can't really tell you too much um, because that would give the game away um, but we've been working very, very hard. We've, uh, we're arraying a little guest list of guest presenters yep. that's pretty good so far. And of course, we're just down the road, so it's going to take us all of like a minute to walk to <laughs> the Underglow. Because yeah, you walk out of our office and turn right, and there's the Thames. Have we turn, got a live and, band this year? We do. We do. Playing live this year is Jeff Downs, and singing is Nathan from Inglorious, and they're doing a tribute to John Webb. Oh, that's really cool. Blimey. Yeah. So Nathan's got some lungs. He has. He has. And we, uh, uh, the Yes's manager and I were having a long chat about who should sing and various names were getting banded around. Um, and nothing was, I mean, they're all good names, but nothing was clicking with me. And then he said, listen, what about Nathan Page? And I'm like, ah, oh, he's got nothing to do with prog, I won't be interested. And that was on a Friday, and by the Monday I'd mulled it over, and I was like, you know what? 
the thing about John was that he he was a great progressive musician, but he also wrote some really good catchy melodic rock yeah. songs. And I'm thinking, well, Jeff's got the prog tropes down. He's bringing the prog. Why not get Nathan up there? Because that can cover that more melodic side. It's something really uh, different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it was, and that was the other thing. It was something just slightly different. Mm. So that's going to be the live music. Of course, listening, you can watch it all live on, um, you can watch it all live on Facebook this year. Mm. Um, and of course, we'll all be there working hard. Yeah. So. Natasha, you're on digital comms, aren't you? I, I, don't, I don't know. Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, yes. I'm on digital comms. Yes. So, so yeah, if you're following it on, uh, on Facebook and Twitter uh, beforehand, all of the uh, all of the stuff you're reading is being fired out into the ether by <laughs> Natasha. Um, but yes, I mean it, it's always a great night. It's, it always goes by in a flash, really. Yeah. It, it seems like I've just turned, walked up into the champagne reception and start saying hello to people, and we're bundling into cabs going off to the after show. Mm. And it's meanwhile, all gone, meanwhile you know. everyone's been absolutely transfixed and slightly tripped out by the tree that's in the middle of the yeah. menu. So there is, <laughs> there is. Just uh, for those of you, we're going to have to wrap this up because we've gone on for an hour again almost. Oh, so. no. um, those that don't know the the awards themselves, you've probably seen pictures in the magazine. Um, it's the Underglobe. It's underneath uh, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, which is uh, not very far from the original site of the Globe, but. Um, was rebuilt. I think Sam Wanamaker was a big uh, part of getting it getting it built, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and the underglobe underneath is used as a sort of a, an exhibition area and for schools, and it's a huge kind of um, area. And uh, because famously the globe had the original globe had a big tree next to it, which was part of the you know the landmark. Uh, they've recreated that tree downstairs. So as you come down these very this big staircase from a, a balcony down into the bowels as it were where we have the 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 bar and the tables for dinner and the stage there's this enormous tree and you know for the last couple of years we've gone oh should we move it and everybody that comes goes you can't move it from the underglobe we love the tree yeah people really so. love it it's it's lit in <laughs> purple and green and it sparkles a bit by the end of the night sparkles a bit um, yeah it's just brilliant it's really it's very magical it's very it's very it prog. It is, and I, I must admit, actually, I did go out and poke it just to see whether it was real. Because it's, it's not very, real. I, I know it's not real, but it is really. It, it does look real. Does it real? Does it real? So we're going to leave you with a tree. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Joe and Natasha, for thank joining you. me. Thanks. And um, I guess we might. I guess the next podcast will be after the awards, yes. after the hangovers have subsided, and uh, we can bring you all the news from them. Yeah. And then I guess the one after that, I'll be yakking to people about Summer's End. Hey. Hey. Excellent. All right. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.